Good morning and happy Father's Day on June 21st, 2020. This is the first day that Kings is back at face-to-face worship, and our service is on the lawn outside of our sanctuary. Because the service is outside, this sermon is being pre-recorded for our internet congregation because I knew that the road noise and the weather and the wind would interfere with a quality recording. So although we're going to upload this on Father's Day, it's being pre-recorded. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, my prayer this morning is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 10th chapter, reading the 24th through the 39th verses. It is our custom at Kings to stand when reading scripture, so if you can, please stand and read with me. Jesus said, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, Proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are many, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Father's Day. Do you have Father's Day traditions? Perhaps you made dad breakfast in bed or he woke up to a a brand new barbecue grill with a big red bow on top or accessories. Maybe he got a new tie or a new shirt or a shirt and tie combination or a new polo, a golf shirt or shorts. Maybe at the last minute you forgot to get him a card and you ran out before he got up to CVS at the grocery store and came home with a card for dad, a new cologne. Maybe you got a new power tool or, as many people celebrate, maybe you're going out for lunch after church. Well, how many of you have worked in the service industry, particularly in food service? If you worked in food service, you know that there's two distinct parts of your income, the hourly wage and your tips. In fact, generous tips are all that makes it possible for many servers to live. 
Some of the more expensive establishments automatically add a gratuity on the tab. But for the vast majority of service jobs, giving a tip is the unique moment in time when the serves can make a personal statement about the service. For the wonderful waiter who made sure everything was just the way you ordered it and knew when to appear and when to disappear, you can add a a well-earned dollar dollop of dollars onto the bill. Likewise, for the waiter who took forever to show up, served things late and cold, and ignored your frantic flailing for more coffee. Well, you can insult that server with a puny pittance of gratitude. But a tip says as much about the customer who leaves it as it does about the person who receives it. Are you generous, compassionate, thoughtful, precise, calculating, or just plain cheap? Now, I've traveled some, and I I want to tell you how other countries handle tipping. If you go to Italy, there is no expected gratuity added onto the bill because the establishment puts what I would call a head tax on each person. Uh, There's a a fee charged for everybody who sits at the table. So let's say the fee is a dollar, one person, their fee is a dollar. 10 people, $10. 20 people, $20. And those fees are split equally among the servers. The idea being that no one gets any better or worse service than anyone else. Everybody gets the same. Now, I had the opportunity to go to a a pub in England. I, I had heard that they had really good burgers. It was right across the street from my hotel. And when I came in, they could tell by my accent that I was American, and I saw the servers actually having a squabble over who would be my server. When I sat down, to my surprise, my server was an American woman. She had gone to England for college and fell in love, and she was working her way through school in England as a server at this pub. I had a delicious meal and a delicious burger, and at the end... She brought me the check. I paid the check. I usually leave 20%. She thanked me very much, and she said, no, I have something to tell you. What was that, I said? She said, well, in England, they don't tip 15 to 20%. They just leave a, a small thank you for the server. She said, that's why everybody was fighting over you, because they know that Americans, compared to uh, the English, are incredibly big tippers. Well, I thanked her for the information, and she said, no problem, you just gave me a huge tip. Now, I don't know if you've traveled in Canada, but in Canada, the average tip is 5%, and that's only for exceptional service. Canadians will leave a lot smaller tip than Americans. Now, how do I know this? Well, I have family in Canada, but even closer to home, I was in a a pastor's prayer group, and we had two Canadian pastors in the group. We met every Thursday morning. It rotated between our churches and our homes, and the pastors would come together and pray, and then we would eat, and we love to eat, so we would go to uh, a buffet. Sometimes we'd go to a Chinese buffet in the Echelon Mall. Now, I had a very good relationship with this buffet because whenever I took a, a pastor or a missionary or a church leader through the mall to show them what the mall ministry did, we often would eat at this restaurant. 
Well, when it came time to pay the bill, all the pastors would put in for the price of the buffet and leave a gratuity. And I had to wait after all the pastors had left to make sure that the gratuity was sufficient for our group. I often had to fill in the extra for the Canadians. Now, when I was a kid, my dad taught me you take 10% of the bill. So the bill's $10. You take a dollar, you take a half of that, 50 cents, and that's your 15%. Now that I've worked in the service industry, I, I rarely tip below 20%. But I want you to hear this. It's disturbing to learn that the average restaurant where the wait staff typically dread is being on duty Sunday after church, particularly on holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Easter. In the waiting tables world, it is a well-worn word of warning that the church crowd are often the worst tippers and the most demanding patrons of the week. Did you hear what Jesus said in the gospel? I want to pull out Matthew 10, 27. He said, whatever I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And whatever you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Now, very few of us are running around shouting, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. But if we go in our Sunday best to a restaurant and sit down to celebrate a meal or a Father's Day, Mother's Day, Easter, we are, with our actions, proclaiming what Jesus means to us. Whether we want to believe it or not, we are judged on our tipping or our witnessing. Now, here's the good news and the bad news. Everybody will have an opinion about your tipping or your witnessing. The story is told about an old man who was moving from one city to another, and he had a donkey. And while they were traveling, he rode the donkey. I'm sorry, the grandson rode the donkey, and the grandfather walked next. And people commented loudly, as people often do. Would you look at that old man suffering on his feet while that strong young boy is totally capable of walking? So taking their advice into effect, the old man switched places with the boy. He rode the donkey and the boy rode. So then the man heard people say this. Would you look at that healthy man making that poor boy suffer? Can you believe it? Well, now he was really disturbed, so... The boy and the man both rode the donkey, and then they heard people say this. Would you look at those heavy brutes making that poor donkey suffer? So they both got off and walked, and they heard people say this. Would you look at the waste? A perfectly good donkey is not being used. Finally, the old man just threw the donkey off a bridge. The moral of this story is, no matter what you do, somebody will always criticize it. If you try to please everyone, you'll wind up losing your donkey. Your tipping, your witnessing, is your responsibility. 
Don't let other people's opinion of what you do, what you say, how you share the gospel, how you live your life interfere with your good news. Everyone who answers Jesus' call will have a unique ministry, and not everyone will understand. I'd also like you to think about this. You may never know the long-term impact of your gift. The story is told of a church that bought gifts for a missionary family that they sponsored. After meticulously selecting the presents based on the family's needs, sizes, and ages, the group gathered to pack. And that's when another member whisked in and plopped down an almost new man's coat on the table. Her husband didn't like the style of the coat, she said, and as she turned to go, she suggested that maybe one of the missionaries could use it. Well, the people were offended. The coat wouldn't fit anyone in the missionary's family. Obviously, the woman hadn't given much thought or time to the project. But the other's present The other presents didn't completely fill the barrel they were packing, so someone folded the coat and stuck it in, and it made perfect packing material. After Christmas, a thank you letter arrived from the missionary family. They thanked the church for the many gifts, and especially for the miracle gift. It seems that during a storm, a destitute man knocked on their door. He was so ill-dressed for the cold that they invited him to stay until the storm had passed. Even though the visitor would have no gifts in the barrel, they decided to open it. And that's when they discovered the coat. It fit him perfectly. Well, do such things really happen in the world? Yes, all the time. You never know when you give that cup of cold water, whether to the needy stranger or to the work of God, how the gift might be used. For my... My own ministry, I remember a a little man years ago, we'll call him Dougie, at Malaga Camp. I had the opportunity to be his counselor and uh, had the privilege of seeing Dougie make a decision for Christ. Years later, I found out that Dougie had gone to seminary and is currently serving as a pastor. I wonder how many lives have been touched because I took the time to share the gospel with Dougie at Malaga Camp well over 30 years ago. You never know the long-term impact of your gift. Now, tipping is both a lifelong and a sacrificial task. Tipping, again, being a metaphor for witnessing. When my father passed, I was asked if I wanted to say anything at his funeral, and I knew that I would be emotionally overwhelmed. I thought and I prayed and I shared this with the pastor. I said, a life well lived is the best testimony to a father's love. My life is a testimony to my father and my life is a testimony to my heavenly father. My earthly father taught me how to tip. My heavenly father teaches me how to witness. In the book In His Steps, Charles Sheldon reports about a a fictional pastor who challenges members of his congregation to ask WWJD. You've seen it on 
book covers and bracelets and bumper stickers, what would Jesus do? Well, that's an excellent test for yourself as you make decisions in ministry. But I want you to know that people are watching us as the collective body of Christ, and they're asking WWJFD. What would Jesus' followers do? Are we giving the world our absolute best? I remember when I was a a young man being taught to share the gospel, some people said to me, you may be the only Bible people read. It's not easy following Christ in our daily life. To be a Christian Monday through Saturday is, in fact, pretty hard. I'd like to share with you the story of a man named Chan. Chan was the superintendent of the study school at Edison Park Lutheran Church in Chicago. He was well-educated and multi-talented. He served as president of the congregation, was a gifted speaker and an able leader. He was also an executive on the move with a large retail chain. Chan had managed stores around the Chicago area and had become manager of a large downtown store. He was in his early 40s, and his future seemed bright. His children were about to enter college, and his life seemed fine. Then one day, Chan quit his job. He didn't have another job to go to, and it took him a long time to find another. When he was asked why he quit... He simply said it was because of his Christian faith. His direct supervisor asked him to harass and hound some employees that they wanted fired. The goal was to make life so miserable for these workers that they would quit the organization and then the company would not have to pay unemployment. Chan refused. As a Christian, he refused to do that kind of dirty work. If employees failed in their work, they would be reprimanded or even fired but not hounded into resigning. Chan could not do this as a Christian. Christians are called to live out their faith every day. Our faith is not a secret. We are to uncover those things which are covered up and make known those things which are secret. What you hear in the dark, Jesus said, say in the light. What is whispered, proclaim from the housetops. It is in and through suffering that we grow. As we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be with the sick, comfort the dying, console the grieving, to understand the troubles, to care about others as God cares for us, we need to ask, are we big tippers? Now, if you've never made a decision for Christ, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day that you say, I want to be a member of the family of God. If so, then pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I have sinned. I know that I have broken your law. And I know that you have sent Jesus to pay the penalty for my law, my sin, by dying on the cross. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. Make my heart like Jesus' heart. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, then you, my friend, are a Christian. And you are called to live a Christian life. The best way to get started in that is to join a local congregation. If you don't have a congregation, King's is open to you 
at any time. We'll be resuming our Bible studies on Thursday nights, weather preventing, we'll be outside, and Sunday worship at 10 a.m., hopefully outside, weather permitting. If this message really challenged your heart and you, you realize that you are not living the life Uh, that your advertising says, your clothing on Sunday going to the restaurant and your tipping don't match. If that's the case, then I encourage you too to, to come to King's, study the word with us, grow in the faith, and become a shining example of what Christ can do in an individual's life. And finally, if you feel called to serving Jesus in a full-time capacity, as a therapist or a nurse or a counselor, a pastor, a missionary. I would love the opportunity to talk with you. Please contact us through the Facebook page, our church's email, or even at the church's phone number. You can find all of these on our Facebook page. Happy Father's Day, and if you go out to lunch, leave a big tip. Amen.